what gaming is doing is really opening up the mind. It's really opening up the imagination. And there's so many different avenues on gaming. You would be like really impressed to see, right? You know, if you think film is in, it's film and and uh, and TV is impressive, gaming is right there along with it, right? Everybody who wants to game is gonna be, say, "Hey, I want to be a pro gamer." Some people want to be writers. Some people want to be audio engineers. Some people want to be coders. Some people want to, you know, uh, do social PR community. There's a lot of different things I can stem from that when it comes to that. That being said, having a Caribbean mother in the Bronx, it's like, why are you playing the game? Get off the game, Albert. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, now she sings a different tune. Now it's, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Go ahead, play the game. You know, but, uh, but back then it was like, oh, why are you playing the game for? Uh, so I would say be curious. If you aren't already, I, I know sometimes we see our kids just blasting away and just, just hopping on and playing games. Be curious. Ask to join them. You know, ask to play a game and, and like kind of get in a little bit into their world and, and see. And after all, you may find something that you like. Welcome to the Data Binge Podcast, a library of discussions with technologists and business leaders, focusing on the human relationship with technology. Three, two, one, deploy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 2022 and the first episode of this fabulous new year. I'm finding some very much needed energy in this moment as we spend this time together. And I'm hoping you all have an incredible year this year and that today is just a start of many, many more moments of positivity and optimism set forth to come your way. I'm so excited to bring you today's episode, a live discussion recorded November 5th of 2021, featuring Albert Donqua III, content developer for the Microsoft Xbox team. If you're like me and have some preconceptions about gaming, whether you play or played games voraciously like I did or, or have no exposure to it at all, this discussion is going to change everything you know about this continuously evolving new world. Albert joins to talk about his story and how his life and social circumstances were influenced by gaming. He's going to talk about the tangible benefits of immersive and creative worlds, much like the worlds we're seeing spring up with the metaverse and Web 3.0, for example. And he's gonna talk about how gaming will change the social constructs of communities impacted by limited access to internet and technology. If you love gaming, this episode is for you. And if you know nothing about gaming, but you're intrigued about this growing $180 billion industry, and you're curious how new digital realms will create lifelong impacts in our society, this episode is for you as well. I've learned a lot about this world in my short conversations with Albert, and it really brings me joy to share with all of you. Thank you for listening. Happy New Year. And now I bring you Albert Donqua III. Hi, hello everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Data Binge Podcast. This is, if this is your first time tuning in, the Data Binge Podcast is a library of discussions focused on the human relationship with technology. And we are going to be talking about gaming today, gaming, community, accessibility, some really incredible topics. 
introducing to you our special guest for today, Albert Dankwa, the third content developer for our Xbox team here at Microsoft. Albert, what's up? Well, first and foremost, thank you for having me on the show, Derek. It's really an honor to be here. Uh, and I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's been a long week, uh, but we're getting to the tail end. Uh, November is here uh, and the holidays are upon us. The holidays are upon us. And, uh, you know, before we, we kick this episode off, and I can't wait to dig in because there's just so many amazing things to share today. I want to give a special shout out to our Southern California Blacks at Microsoft or BAM community. There is a uh, uh, someone very special there, uh, Sonia Weaver Johnson, who was kind enough to amplify this this discussion today. Um, she's just a, a wonderful person, and she's also uh, just got a, a recent promotion. So congratulations to you, Sonia. Thanks for for uh, amplifying this and and uh, a little, little hoorah to the the SoCal BAM team. Thanks for joining. Uh, so Albert, like what what do you do? <laughs> What's your job? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so uh, I am a content developer for Team Xbox. Uh, there are many, many teams within Microsoft and even many, many teams within Xbox. Just to sum it all up, I'm on a small team that oversees Xbox support. So uh, we are a customer experience team. And my job as a content developer is to create proactive content. It's educational, informative and educates our fans, our our customers, our gamers, anyone who is looking to get the most out of the Xbox platform and ecosystem. Awesome. And you know, you're getting a lot of love. We got Derek Johnson, he just said happy Friday. You got Billy, you got Elise, Brittany, Arlene Daniels. What's up Arlene? Haven't seen Arlene in a little while. She says looking forward to a great discussion. So Albert, when we first started talking, I started observing some of the content that you were creating and I saw that you were posting really amazing creative assets with like, you know, tennis shoes, you know, you had like kicks and then they had like style and there was art and photography, and there was technology, it was gaming. And of course, you know, you're from the South Bronx, New York City, you have a really interesting background. Like, can you talk about these, these priorities that you're thinking through um, and how they all come together for you? Sure. Born and raised in the South Bronx. Uh, I'm in Brooklyn now, so I guess I'm bougie. Uh, uh, for those are familiar with the term is, you know, uh, kind of uh, bougie, let me see, maybe pretentious. I think that's a, that's a word that kind of go hands in hand with that. Uh, and I just, I just always loved gaming for as long as I remembered. And that's where it started. So I do have uh, four pillars. I have four pillars or four key areas. So everything that I do falls into either gaming, photography, technology, and or fashion. And that's my way of kind of staying the path, pursuing my passions uh, and and making sure that I'm always true to that I want to do and the vision that I have uh, for myself within the industry. So it started with gaming. And the very first thing I had as a kid was a, a Game Boy Color. I begged my mom and I got it. Uh, what was it? The Christmas of 97 or 98. But I got a Game Boy. Uh, I got Pokemon. And that was like one of the first games that. I remember Pokemon Blue, uh, and we just uh, it was just smooth sailing from there. I just loved games, and uh, I kept getting more and more into it. But things really changed once I I got into uh, Xbox, and this was like the tail end of of middle school, beginning of high school, and it was just a different platform. 
because of the of the social aspect to it. You know, online gaming was, you know, still in its infant stages. But Xbox, what they did with Xbox Live was just unlike anything I've ever seen before. I mean, please bear in mind, I was a what a like a preteen, early teen kid, and being able to just sit down, put on a headset, play at the same time, and chat with your friends. It, it was at the time revolutionary. So now, like kids don't think anything, you know, of it. Just, well, yeah, sure. Like I'm signed on five, but back then it was like, whoa, are you, you know, like who are you talking to? I, and like I never forget going over to one of my good friends' house, uh, Stephen Bronx, on a, on a hot summer day, and he introduced me to Halo, you know, on the Xbox platform, and it was just never the same. You know, it was like larger than life characters, crazy social communication. Uh, network. And that's when I saw gaming was just way, way different. Like I thought I had a grasp on it. You know, we would go over to friend's house and we, would, you know, bring our consoles and our controllers. We'll play, you know, if you had a Game Boy, you would bring the little cables to like link up and battle and whatever it is. But to have that multiplayer access and you just do it from the comfort of your own home and, and, and different things like that, I saw the big change. And I started to see, wow, gaming, gaming is going to become something that which of the likes, no one, I think, is going to be prepared for. Uh, and you fast forward, like, look at it here. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. If I'm not mistaken, I believe it even overtook Hollywood. Like, everyone wants to get in on gaming. You know, it, it's no longer just, you know, the big three, Xbox, Nintendo, um, Sony, you know, there's Amazon, there's Netflix. Netflix recently launched their Netflix games. Every single body wants a piece of gaming in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and that's because it's it's a hobby. It's a pastime. It's a sport. It's a phenomenon. It's a way that people connect to one another. Uh, and that's always been my, my driving force on the gaming side of things. Now, for technology, that correlates it, runs parallel as gaming advanced, so did technology advance. But in my early days... Uh, in Microsoft before I got to a team Xbox, I uh, began my journey in physical retail stores, product advisor. And that's just a fancy way of saying that, hey, I advised you on the best products to get yourself. And it didn't matter if you were grandma, wanted to play Candy Crush and Sudoku, or you were somebody trying to start up their small business because you had a dollar and a dream. And we had we really had no range. And it it was really amazing to see over time, how everything just expanded, you know, from the surface line. I remember when I first started, there were only like a few surfaces, right? What surface two, surface three. Now we have a whole family of surface. And what they can do, they've gotten thinner, you know, uh, faster, stronger, and they're more sleek. The performance is more and more unparalleled. You know, you know, that's when you think it can't get any better, it it continues to get better. And I just always been an evangelist for Microsoft technology all up. Uh, Xbox has happened to be my heart. I want you love. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and, and uh, yeah, I've, um, I used the advancements and, and technology and I always kept a pulse on that because I, I knew stuff like that would tie into gaming and, and vice versa. You know, dust is a cloud for all shirt. You know, a cloud is super, super important. Uh, so those are those two. And photography, um, 
Yes, because I got into unboxings and and uh, interviews, and I wanted to really show off our products. And it just started with customers that would say, "Hey, I really like what you're doing. I wish you had a blog or a YouTube, or do you, you know?" I was like, "No, it's uh, I, hey, I'm just telling you why this product's good for you or not, and and all, uh, and vice versa." And the more I kept hearing that, I decided, you know what, I got to do something about this one day. So I started to my own little digital magazine. I started to uh, do demos and and boxings and workshops and classes and all these different things on it. Last but not least came the fashion. And funny enough, people come into their own later in life. You know, um, over my way, some people will call it the glow up. And you, uh, <laughs> when you kind of, you know, find yourself or you find your own skin and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, being from the Bronx and, birthplace of hip-hop i grew up on a lot of hip-hop artists so we wore a lot of like the baggy stuff and uh you know uh and the nikes and the jordans and like all the cool uh all of the cool things that came with the culture and yeah and then like along the way i just got tired of that type of stuff and and i didn't want to be trendy i wanted to get stuff that i liked and i was like you know what i'm i'm gonna get what i want to get and i started to just get things that appealed to me. I started with uh, ASICs, you know, um, and people's like, ASICs, uh, very cool. Who's wearing that? Like, why are you wearing that? I'm like, well, I'm a runner. I, I like the ASICs and, uh, and I like this so much that I used it for lifestyle. Uh, and I wear cycling caps all the time. I love cycling caps. I don't I don't have to be on a bike. I just I just go and get it. Uh, and then I do have my shades. I didn't bring it with me today, but my, uh, my shades that I channel my... Uh, Dwayne Wayne for those who are different world fans out there. Like those were just small pieces of me that kind of over time built my style and built my view things. And of course, as gaming continued to improve in advancements and media, so did the brands. Naturally, the brand is going to grow. And when the brand grows, somebody's become iconic over time. You become iconic and now you get partnerships, you get deals, you get merchandise. And naturally, the fashion portion just came into it. And I was like, man, I got to represent, you know, this is this is my brand that like this stuff that I love. And I started to get these pieces and and uh, get these products and I'd wear them. I'd, uh, I'd don them and one thing led to another. And then, you know, there's people like, uh, <laughs> you know, people like Team Xbox uh, saying, hey, you know, this is the one of the best dressed persons in gaming, you know, go give them a follow and stuff like that. So. That's in a nutshell, those four key areas and, and uh, how they impacted me and generally everything that I do from a professional standpoint. Well, of course, unless it's my job and I have to do it, but it was <laughs> yeah. optional and it's not my job. I always look to see if it falls into one of those four lanes uh, and then how I can amplify that and, and um, really lean into one of those areas that I'm very fond of. It, it, and Albert, it's very apparent when following your LinkedIn profile, there's energy that's coming from there. There's culture that's coming from there. There's growth that's coming from there. And I just, I love what you represent. When I think about uh, my own journey and I think about the journeys, frankly, of kids, and we're gonna go into this in, in, a, in a moment here, I think of how difficult it is for some of these communities to find this type of trajectory-based algorithm to follow this journey that's healthy where they're growing. And I know that there's a lot of friction. There's a lot of challenges, right? Not everyone can accessibility. Not everyone can access 
internet technologies or gaming hardware. A lot of parents probably listening to you are like, oh, my kids are playing, are gaming all the time. I don't want them to game that much. Like, how do I stop them from gaming? Like, can you just talk a little bit about your lived experience of being in your community and why gaming helped you? Um, so folks can get a little bit of perspective around that. Yeah, sure. First things first, before I even get into uh, some of the story in my neighborhood, stuff like that, for the parents out there, it's not bad. You know, I, I know sometimes it comes with a negative connotation. Oh, kids are playing games and they're not doing anything productive and they, you know, they just want to go and play the game. Like what gaming is doing is really opening up the mind. It's really opening up the imagination. And there's so many different avenues on gaming. You would be like really impressed to see, right? You know, if you think film is in, it's film and and, uh, and TV is impressive, gaming is right there along with it, right? Everybody who wants to game is going to say, hey, I want to be a pro gamer. Some people want to be writers. Some people want to be audio engineers. Some people want to be coders. Some people want to you know, uh, do social, PR, community. There's a lot of different things that can stem from that when it comes to that. That being said, having a Caribbean mother in the Bronx, it's like, why are you playing the game? Get off the game, Albert. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, now she sings a different tune. Now it's, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Go ahead, play the game. You know, but uh, but back then it was like, oh, why are you playing the game for? Uh, so I would say be curious if you aren't already. I, I know sometimes we see our kids just blasting away and just, just hopping on and playing games. Be curious. Ask to join them. You know, I'll ask to play a game and, and like kind of get in a little bit into their world and, and see. And after all, you may find something that you like. You more and more there are parents and even grandparents that game. Uh, so it's, it's, it's changing. The status quo is not the same anymore. In terms of gaming really helped me a lot. I didn't grow up in the, in the best of neighborhoods. Uh, of course, uh, Derek said it, I'm from the South Bronx. So things weren't always too nice. You know, you uh, had to be home by a certain time. You don't want to be around when the street lights are on. You, you always want to make sure that your uh, headphones aren't too loud. Always be self-aware. You know, don't give them the peer pressure. Uh, certain things like that. Stick up for yourself, for your friends and, and uh, family members and loved ones. And we want to go to the the basketball courts or like any of the spots that were cool, but depending on a day or time or who's there could, you know, end up in a not so nice situation. And it wasn't that I was like afraid of that. It was in my mind, it was, oh, I'm done with school. I want to go home and play games. Like I, I didn't think about anything but playing games you know i guess that was like the double-edged sword because my mom was like oh he's you know he's on an xbox again or he's doing this but i know deep down there was that relief or like you know what he's here i know he's here i know he's safe i don't have to you know worry about him being outside at all different uh types of uh like nights or anything like that because depending where you are you know being in neighborhoods with lack of resources with lack of programs with so um, economic statuses, right? These are neighborhoods, these are communities that are more prone to perils and tragedies and stuff that you see uh, on TV, that you read about on, on magazines and blogs and more. I was just very grateful that I was never in that type of situation because on my mind is, I just want to go game. And for me, it was, I didn't use it as as a gateway or like as an escape. It was I want to know more, you know, I, 
for me, it was really impressive to see individuals put together like these titles, these products, because me was just as impressive as movies. You know, people give movies all the praise. They give TV shows all the praise when it came to video games. Like, ah, that, you know, not good for the mind, but they do the same thing. They have stage crews. They have engineers. They have programmers. They have directors, producers, et cetera. All of that. It's just a different form factor in graphics and sounds and animation that's playable through input of buttons on controllers or keyboard and mice. Uh, and that to me, I was always curious, like I was waiting for the next adventure. I want to get the next game. I want to see what world I can dive into and how these characters can relate to me. And Albert, quickly, just to drill down on what you just said, you're, you're kind of opening up this world that typically, if you're not a gamer, like you don't see games like this. You don't think this way. So this is the exact reason why I wanted to have this conversation and elevate this conversation to others, right? I think what you just said is is monumental. There's purpose that go into these games. We just see these games and we're just like, oh, you know, I'm not going to go and waste five hours playing this video game. But there's so much purpose in those assets, those artifacts, those experiences, just like the experiences that we know and, and, and love every day, ERP, CRM, all the things we talk about at Microsoft, right? Those things are built by cohorts of similar people that are building these experiences, you know, essentially communities are, are engaging with. There's three community-led ways to promote equity and make better games. So there's also things that are happening in, how do we make games more inclusive? How do we have storylines and avatars and folks that can engage different types of audiences? And just quickly these through, and I'll let you finish your story, but demolishing silos to fuel creative passions, or like a developer-oriented way to, to think about gaming, measuring accessibility from all angles, even angles of how is this gonna be recorded and played on Twitch? This is a sport. How do we make that sport inclusive? And then finally, exceeding community expectations as a team. So you, you mentioned community, like you're putting the headset on, you're joining this community. And I loved how you said that, but it's like, how do you meet and vault the expectations of that community by giving them more? So I, that just resonated with what you were saying, but please continue on with, with your experience. Yeah, well, just touching on those points, if I may. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the big ones you said is just being more accessible, right? And then just just thinking about that back then. And if a parent wasn't against gaming per se, it was expensive, you know? And the only way in was to have funds to buy a console. My Game Boy was, was used secondhand. My PlayStation was used secondhand. So was my GameCube. And uh, I was very fortunate have those consoles. I never got to own the first Xbox because my parents were like, hey, hey, you do have enough. You know, even though I told them it's different, it's different. It's like, no, you have enough. So I would I would literally spend time after school and and I would go to my friend's house who did have the Xbox and I'll play a lot. But the first console I ever bought was an Xbox 360. And um I went down to the Toys R Us and in, in Times Square with the Ferris wheel. Rest in peace. It was such a such a good place. But that's just another story on its own uh, about how, you know, technology changes and, and like how we have to, same way that we have to move forward and reimagine gaming, we got to reimagine retail and, and, you know, big box retailers and such like that. That was the first console that I, you know, went out and on my own, my own money that I saved up all my allowance and I went to uh, do that. I was lucky enough to get allowance. You know, how many, how many children out there don't get allowance? You know, how many children out there you know, parents have to make ends meet, right? So 
fortunate enough to go out and, and do that, right? But now this has changed. We look at the ways Xbox is trying, well, I mean trying. Yeah, yeah, you know, trying and doing is doing and trying to improve on how we make gaming more accessible. Right? We have cloud gaming, we have Xbox Game Pass. Now we're at a point where you don't it's like, hey, you know, there's a lot going on, games expensive. You have Xbox Game Pass. You have a subscription service in which you can play over a hundred different games for one uh monthly uh fee. Or for console, just for a PC, click. just a click, or for right? both, exactly, right? Just to play, right? So that now that's giving you access for someone like, hey, I can't afford to spend 50, 60, 70, and maybe even more in some cases, a pop per game, right? But with Game Pass now, you're able to pay that subscription fee and go ahead and do it, right? It's no different from, hey, I can't go out and buy every CD. You know, every CD is, you know, 15 maybe 20 a pop for deluxe editions and then have a big stack of CDs, right? You know, people have Spotify or Apple Music, whatever it is, and they they can just listen to what they want to listen to. Uh, it's like, hey, like it, love it. You know, I don't like it. I can uh, not download anymore. I can just like remove it and move on, right? So you have that, like that's another way. So that to me is like economic access with Game Pass, right? And now we look for, okay, but what if you can't have, so what if you can't get a console, right? You know, maybe it's not buying the games, right? But it's the console, right? Maybe you don't have the space. Maybe it's not available in your area. Now you have Xbox Game Pass also with the, with the cloud gaming in which you can, hey, sign on to a web browser, to a mobile device, to a tablet, to a phone, and literally just go ahead and play. So now we have accessibility, right? So first we did economic accessibility. Now we have access accessibility. And then the last one, more so was just the general accessibility, right? What if like, hey, I don't have the mice and keyboard dexterity. I know I don't. Or hey, you know, I don't have the motor skills or hey, uh, I have needs or someone I know have needs or maybe I'm injured and I can't, I can't grip a controller, right? There's over a hundred titles on Xbox Game Pass, which are touch controlled enabled. And that I think is super impressive and just shows the level of dedication that the team is going and the great lengths that they're taking for those strides and accessibility. Like, hey, you can you, you don't even need a controller. All you need is, is a subscription. You can log onto the app and then you can play some games only using your fingers. And I think that is amazing. So you have all these different entry points into Xbox and all these different ways in which being made accessible for us within the community. And then on the hardware side, just having different variations, right? Every console's $400, $500, $600. It's wild, right? And especially in these times, right? We all know what the world's been through the last two years. You know, just going through a pandemic, millions of people still, still trying to recover, still trying to bounce back from everything that's happened. And at this point in time, that's still a lot of money even shell out for a console, right? But then you have options, right? You have Xbox Series S that can be had for a fraction of the price, right? You can get it for $299. You can get Game Pass. Game on your browser, game on your phone, game on your tablet, game on your PC. There's so many different ways in which we want to bring gaming to everyone. We say gaming for everyone. Xbox means it. And just from a Microsoft perspective, 
I'm listening to you and I just continue, I continue to forget that we even work for the same organization, right? But at Microsoft, accessibility is a core aspect of how all our products are built. And I had no idea that there were those different lines of accessibility that you're talking through the economic, the hardware, the actual access to it. And then coming off of COVID, just some quick study information, a lot of people got into gaming, right? Some surveys are saying that 40% of new gamers that actually got into the gaming just because there was nothing else to do, couldn't go outside, are actually gonna stay, that cohort is gonna stay in the gaming world. They're not gonna stop gaming. So you're, you're seeing growth there. Just from 2019 to 2020, Twitch data, 83% year over year growth in Twitch viewing content. So that's 83% more folks watching other folks play games. That's crazy. There's also new communities of gamers that are forming. I think just specifically on Twitch, including LGBTQ communities that game together. So the community aspect is just like deep in terms of how that's being explored. It's, it's, it's super deep. Albert, you, you talked about a couple of things that like skills, you know what I mean? Like you, you talked about closing the digital divide and you talked about like skills that you pick up as you start to game and you're experiencing these new worlds, et cetera. Can you talk about that exposure, those rich scenarios and what that does uh, for closing the digital divide? Yeah, sure. I mean, so we have the digital divide and obviously, you know, day in, day out, individuals within that realm continue to try their best to close the gap between people and technology and, you know, access to internet and stuff like that, right? And like we look at it, there's a driving force, right? And the driving force is, hey, access to internet, more resources, right? More resources, more information. Uh, people will be better suited to apply for jobs. People, people will be better suited to um, research better for papers, you know? It'll help them better in school, help them better in life, right? Learn trades, learn skills. And hopefully not going to say that it's it's been one-sided, right? Because you have people pouring in from different sides, right? But when you take something like gaming and you put that in, into the digital divide, what you have now is an eye of the storm. And I say eye of a storm because you have different sides saying, we need to make this happen, right? So schools, you have institutions, because now it's like, hey, we can have gaming programs. We look at Division One sports and stuff like that. Prior to COVID happening, a lot of colleges were having gaming courses and even gaming teams. This was on the rise because of the value in gaming. You look at businesses, right? Businesses are like, hey, this is big business, right? You look at companies, brand, organizations, and and on so forth. If we can help, you know, increase a digital footprint, the digital age within these areas, now we can pour more into it. We can help grow the next set of talent. You see what kids are doing in school with Minecraft. What they're doing is absolutely insane. I would never be able to do that in my life. But you know, Minecraft is a game about coding. You know, people look at it, it's like, oh man, you know, they they playing this this old looking game that looks like you know some old Super Mario, and it's like very blocky, arcadey. They're chopping stuff up. They're fighting monsters. It looks very it's old. It's coding. <laughs> yeah. People who love Minecraft, they're coding. 
you don't really get to kind of figure that out until you get deeper, you know, into it. You know, when you're making spells and you're building your towns and your fortress and you're, you know, going to the nether realm and you're taking on all of these uh, different creatures and you're making sure that your world is is functioning the way that you want it to be. It's likeliness. So you have EDU pushing as well, businesses pushing as well. You have higher education pushing as well. And but most importantly, you have the, ga- the gamers, the children. And not saying that children and those don't push for the regular digital divide, right? Because who doesn't want access to technology and internet, right? But when it's a hobby, when it's something that it's really close to the heart, people are going to push more. That's what happens. Like, hey, I want more access to games. I want to play games more. I want more access. And you start to see the talent that these individuals have. And it's just pushing from every single way. And this is why broadband and like internet connection and speeds and stuff like that is is getting increased, it's getting worked on in, in all these different areas, not only from within our own country, but in emerging countries, emerging areas and stuff like that, you know, uh, uh, cloud gaming is growing in Japan. It's big in Japan. Not to say that, that that's an emerging market, but that's an area that is you know, mobile first, cloud first, right? How do they gamers uh, game mobile, right? So that's a way to access to them, you know, and like other places. So we look at it, many different aspects, but with the digital divide in gaming, gaming is really going to push that because of the different things that people want to get into. I have colleagues who all love games just like me. But when you take a step back and look at it, we all love different aspects of it. We can sit here and talk about how we love the same game and we'll give you different reasons why. And that's the beauty of gaming. I have one colleague who wants to be a game designer. She absolutely loves what goes into designing a game. I have another colleague who is a VO artist. She absolutely loves to see the voice acting that goes into video games. That's what she wants to do. I have another colleague who loves to see how things work, you know, how to look for bugs, you know, so like more on a quality of life and the life cycle of the of the games and spanning. You know, I'm I'm very much a brand guy. I love to see how how games can become like larger in life, how some of them can like really get into pop culture. And we've seen that Halo standing the test of time. Master Chief is is up there, like getting recognized with the likes of like Mario and and, and Zelda and Pac-Man and and like a lot of these big name iconic characters. Stuff like that just doesn't happen by throwing out a game. That's the nurturing, protecting, and building a legacy of a brand. You know, Halo is one of the pioneers of competitive gaming. We used to have major league gaming. A lot of people wanted to be pro gamers. Like a lot of people want the tournaments. You played Halo. Of course, there were other games, but you know, Halo was one of the pioneers. Like what we have here now, as we're about to embark on the 20th anniversary of Halo, is the building and nurturing of a legacy. That's what I love when it comes to gaming as well. So more of the branding a part of it. And then seeing all the partnerships from like Waze to like Pringles, cheeses, Pop Tarts, um, soap. <laughs> uh, donuts, Krispy Kreme. There's there's so many different collaborations, and just how powerful 
gaming is. It's it's really pouring in, seeping into so many different areas, you know, so many different industries. My musical tastes have been greatly influenced by gaming. They are artists that I love because of gaming. If it wasn't for Tony Hawk Pro Skater games, I'm not sure if I would be into punk rock and alternative. If it wasn't for the Final Fantasy games, I don't know if I'll be into like opera and K-pop and 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 um, you know, just like different like artists across the world and stuff like that. So gaming has an imprint on so many different industries, interests, people, places, things. And that is why it's going to be a gravitational force, not magnitude, gravitational force in closing the uh, digital divide. Albert, you're, you're creating some gravitational force in the chat. Uh, there's a couple of folks. I think uh, Celestina said she's literally wearing the same shirt that you're wearing right oh, now. No. So, <laughs> so, uh, and then there's a back and forth about, you know, how to get the shirt and where to get it, et cetera. And then uh, Jasmine, she came in, she said, connectivity is so important. And she talked about Japan being the largest gaming demographic in the world. Talk about her, the influence on gaming. Quickly, how did, like, what you're wearing is very intentional. Like you are very gaming, Albert. <laughs> Everything you do has some intention. Tell us a little bit about that shirt. Why did you choose that shirt? Wow. So um, not only am I intentional in the pursuit of my goals, obviously, and the projects that I take up, but even down to what I wear is part of, of my vision. And it was that way because it became really important over time. Again, the, I, that's technology. I don't know if it's, you know, the portrait mode in the iPhones or, you know, those, those super high quality lens and Samsung phones. But I started to get a lot of traction on my photos and, and like people like, hey, what's the latest gear? What's coming out next? And what's this and what's that? And, and Ga gaming and, gear, right? Like like not just yeah. whatever, like you're specifically yes. gaming yes. gear. <laughs> yes, okay. gaming. But okay. it wasn't just about being on a, a show to like dress for people and, and put on stuff. It was more about for me too, right? Because before you could be true to yourself or true to the game. You have to be, you know, true to your own skin, right? You have to make sure that you're absolutely comfortable. So I make sure first and foremost, definitely, of course, you do want to feel good mentally and emotionally, but you also want to feel good in your presence, you know? And I know some sometimes people look at it as vain, like, hey, I'll wear what I want to wear. But for me, it's, it's, it's very intentional because when I feel like, man, this is it, this is the fit, I get in the zone, you know, it, it's a, uh, it, it's, like a Russian endorphins is like sends the chemical messages to my brain. Like you're in the zone. It's go time. You're the man. That's how I hot myself up. Like my outfit and I'm good to go. So this morning I woke up. I'm like, all right, I'm going to be data binge. You know, uh, I wear something good. I'm looking in my closet and I'm thinking, get something Xbox oriented. And I just couldn't find anything. And I'm like, you know what, Albert, you're thinking too hard. Just pick something and go from there. And then I just like knock over a stack of clothes because I can't speak for anyone else. But for me, it's like when you do laundry and it, it's, it's like one or two hours doing them a few business days to put away. So I, I don't <laughs> I don't put it away uh, right out the bat. But I knock over a fresh pile of uh, laundry and then I find this Cloud for All shirt. And I'm like, you know what? This is it. We're talking gaming, we're talking access, we're talking digital divide. We're talking technology. We're talking about 
are we moving forward with gaming and the things that impacted it? So I said, you know what? This is a sign. I, I've got the fit. And I went with it. You know, sometimes simplicity is. Yeah, I definitely don't take the intention that you do with my clothes. <laughs> so let's, let's just put it out there. Yeah, but I'm getting so much energy from this conversation, Albert. It's like, who would ever think of that? It's so artistic. It really is really artistic in terms of how you're thinking about feel and brand and, and all those things and how that's giving you more, that's like your your fuel, your, your go juice. And it's just illuminating, kind of getting into your mind and, and seeing some of those things. Um, Jamila, she had a, a great comment. She said, great discussion, tech and gaming are definitely pathways. Gaming is the reason I got into tech. So Jamila, that's awesome. And she's also saying, this is how we reach those underrepresented communities. Sonia's asking, you know, how can we introduce more diversity into the gaming industry so our gaming content can become more diverse? Maybe Albert, if you can talk a little bit more about desire. Like I love this thread where you said, this desire for access is creating more access. Like, can you talk a little bit about that and then maybe what you're seeing in terms of introducing diversity into, into gaming all up? The interesting thing about diversity in gaming is that it's there. It's not, hey, you know, how do we get, well, I mean, that is the answer, right? I mean, or, or that is the goal is to get more diverse, right? But I, I think sometimes we may look at it and, hey, how do we get more people into it, right? We're already there. Just a matter of visibility. It's a matter of of getting the resources to it, right? Which is why we have the digital divide, right? But um, not only the, but part of the digital divide is also that social and branding divide, right? Because without the technology and resources, you'll be limited to how you can present yourself and the fondness and the passion that you have for gaming. But one thing for sure is it'll take two to tangle, right? We got to make sure that not only are we intent and we got to want it, but we got to want it bad. And we got to have foresight because uh, it will be tough days. They're extremely tough days. But having the foresight to say, hey, this is just one day, this is one setback, we're going to go ahead and uh, get that done. Of course, there are programs. There's uh, Girls Who Code, Black Girls Code. There's um, a lot of uh, streaming that do programs. YouTube, uh, Facebook gaming. So for those on the content creator side that want to, hey, you know, I have access to camera, I have access to, you know, maybe a PC or to gameplay. I have a good personality. I want to get on camera and sell myself if I can, right? For coding, there's always, there's always, always holes open. And I think for that, the biggest hurdles is the visibility aspect. And just finding like the right programs, if one has the desire, but not the skills, then it's getting into the programs. There are a lot of free programs out there, there are a lot of great nonprofits that like shed light and uh, do stuff. I do want to give a shout out to my local BAM chapter, so BAM New York. Uh, every summer we do student summer mentorship in which we take high performing uh, students in a tri-state area and we spend a summer with them. Pretty much we we do like a hackathon and we teach them like the skills. Uh, he put them in a tenant. So he learned Microsoft technology. He learned how to um, how to create something. Then that, that gives them those skills, right? The communication skills, the collaboration, 
the creation and it puts them ahead of the curve early as they go ahead to embark into college and you know try to land internships because part of it too is definitely the um branding i think sometimes you might get caught up in the in the skills and rightfully so right we need to have because three parts it's the access to the resources is growing the skills but then there's branding and i think sometimes we get well we got the access we got the skills or we have the skills now let's work on the access uh to it right but really that visibility part that really goes a long way because with that it's really going to open up some doors that sometimes like skills can't cuz i can tell you i'm pretty sure everyone on this call everyone watching is super talented right but sometimes all you need is just to be in front of the right person or just to you know get the ear or the eyes of of uh, somebody that uh goes from there so I think teaching those skills super important too. It's it's extremely vital. Before I during Team Xbox, on that summer mentorship, I used to be the LinkedIn guy. And I would spend be like a few hours and I would go over like LinkedIn from top to bottom. Uh and and just just ways to be active, just ways to, you know, kind of build yourself, reach out, really grow, nurture networking beyond like coffee chats and informationals, right? We got to be able to like learn about the people that you're connecting with and then ways where you can tap into their strengths and then ways that your connections can cover up some of the shortcomings that you have right because it's not always about well this is a weakness or this opportunity i need to erase it or improve it sometimes great teamwork is just a group of people just covering everyone's shortcomings because everyone's strong at something and i think that's a a big portion of it as well. Uh, hopefully i did answer it. Like i didn't go off on a tangent or or anything like that. <laughs> this or, is a, it's yeah. a live discussion now. This is what it's all about. Uh Sonia, she's sending some love to Bam New York. Shout out to Alfred O. Jamila Oh yeah, that's the guy. Is he's he the, the guy? guy. <laughs> yeah, he's the guy. Uh, Jamila said and she said something about visibility awareness and resources. She completely agrees with that. And then Jasmine had some comments around gaming on the west side of the US and uh, diversity also going into the geographics that have diverse populations. So she's talking about, she's kind of getting into the granularity of diversity in populations and how gaming is penetrating that diversity. Albert, like I only only have 10 minutes left or so. I think you have a very, very nuanced perspective just from kind of the experience you've had growing up and you know having two international parents uh, you just told me, telling me this morning, your 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 mother's from Caribbean, South America. Uh, your father's from Africa. Very different cultures. Growing up in a pretty tough place. You found Xbox. You are so energized around everything gaming. I can really see all those experiences come to life in who you are as a person. What you're putting putting into LinkedIn, the cosplay, the conferences you're going to. You have a LinkedIn Live show called was it Nickelback, Nickel Nickel Gaming? The Nickel, um, yes, the uh, Nickel Gaming yeah. show. Can you talk a little bit about you know what? Just so folks can get some context for what gaming has helped to create. You know what's next for you? What are you trying to accomplish? I think what's next for me is in five years. In five uh, years. I think I kind of spoiled it. Five, huh? five years. Uh, Sonia's thrown out a five-year metric here. Oh wow! Five <laughs> yeah. years. Five years. All right. No. 
So be it. Uh, next five years, I plan to be uh, an executive uh, somewhere in Xbox, and I'm leading up branding partnerships. I think that's where naturally I would go. It's because of my love for the brand. And I think I'll be a really good fit there because I love the brand. I'm going to protect the brand. And more importantly, my passion for the brand is going to you know, seep through. I mean, business will always be business, but it's going to be business. And wow, this guy really loves this thing. Like it's a good deal to make with Xbox, right? So I, I think that's where I plan to see myself within the next five years, to uh, say the least. And and yeah, um, podcast is actually a reincarnation of a digital magazine that I started. Right, so I talked about visibility. And way back when I was in the store, physical store, I worked out of our uh, flagship store in New York City, and I believe it was Jasmine who was talking about in the comments about location diversity. That's also a thing too, right? A lot of game studios, a lot of. Uh, stuff is based in LA or based in Texas or like in you know Seattle, wherever the home and the HQ is. And I remember, you know, about six years ago, six and a half years ago, I was like, hey, I want to be on Team Xbox, but I want to be in New York. And people look at me like I'm crazy or like, this poor guy, he's going to find out, right? Because you look at New York, right? All my colleagues are, they're advertising, they're enterprise, they're sales, because this is what New York is, right? It's big business, it's advertising. You know, who would have thought a guy from Xbox is, it's in New York and it's like, huh, it's an Xbox guy in New York City. I mean, obviously, uh, stuff that helped to that COVID, we are now working in, a, in a more flexible hybrid environments. But what I did was I created a digital magazine built on Sway. But for those of you not familiar with Sway, it's PowerPoint's cool cousin. That's what I like to call it. One of my favorite uh, apps, the MGC5 Suite. And I used that after learning about it with a customer to build my magazine. And as you mentioned, Derek, about me going to conference and stuff like that, I, I did it on my own dime. I made the uh, sacrifices. You know, I uh, I used my vacation time. I used my vacation money. Charged out uh, with the maxed out credit cards. Don't do that. Don't do that. You don't want to do that. But uh, I, I charged out my cards and I, I went to L.A. I went to E3. I went to um, New York City Comic Con. I went to all these places and you know i got a cheap well not like any of your fancy equipment there but uh you know <laughs> i went on amazon i got a cheap little ten dollar lavalier mic and yeah I, I chased down interviews i i um i created content that not even team xbox had that over time in a in a way it reached the eyes of you know people in xbox and over time one thing led to another until one day i was like hey we can't find anything for you but we can make something up for you. <laughs> and I'm like, well, well, you know what? So be it. Uh, and here I am today. So I think that would be my last uh, thing to say before we go out. I, I think that many of us are trying so hard to fit in and like look for a role. Like, oh, this is role, you know, like this is for me. You know, this is what I need to be in five years. This is what I need to be. I just said brand and partnerships because that's where my interests lie right now. But I don't like to, you know, chase down a role. I like to pursue my passions. The role will be presented to me. That's how I got here. I didn't look for a content developer role. I just said, hey, I love Xbox. Here's my work. And the, the role came about. So I, I think, why do we have to be fit for a role? Why can't a role be fit for us? And, and I think that's a, a way that we need to 
like start thinking more collectively the same way when it comes to like fashion, right? Not the clothes or the apparel that makes the person is the person that makes the fit. The roles don't make us. We make the roles. What a beautiful way to end our discussion, Albert. I think this is one of the more special conversations that we've had. I think Sonia has uh, said that she, she wants to make you aware or make Sarah Bond, our CVP of Xbox, aware of your five your goal. You should connect with Sonia. She's amazing. Um, well, well, <laughs> so. No, Sonia, I, I did have a fireside chat with Sarah Bond for the summer mentorship. So again, shout out, shameless plug to BAM New York uh, for setting that up for me. But uh, yeah, I have no problem uh, doing that again. <laughs> and, you know, reaching out, hey, Sarah, this is my, you know, uh, my dream. Or hey, hey, if if you want to build a bridge for that too, I'm, I'm, I'm all ears. But uh, <laughs> thank you for the comment. And Eric Tarplin, he said, that's a future book title. Uh, and Jasmine said, uh, don't chase the role, pursue your passion. Your role will come to you. She's quoting you. Um, this is just an amazing discussion, Albert. How can folks get a hold of you? Wow. Uh, well, first and foremost, LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. So as uh, Albert Dankwa, the third, I'm on LinkedIn every day. Me too. <laughs> uh, yeah. So like even, when, like even when I'm not posting, I'm thinking about making content for it. So LinkedIn, for those of you who are on Twitter, can find me on Twitter as well, uh, and that's the platform that I'm I'm growing next as well. So, oh, I'm sorry, I even say my ad, but it's uh, A L K A L L U S. So it's I'll put it in the uh, in the in the chat. Oh, perfect. Yep, yeah, go ahead and put it. Yep. So uh, that's where one can find me on uh, on Twitter, and yeah, Albert. This is an awesome conversation. I can't wait to share this with my little brother who grew up with games. He had a tough, tough time growing up and games were his escape. And now he's doing really well, still loves gaming. He's a gamer. He's just like you. So I'm going to share this, this episode with the folks that love gaming. And I hope the folks that are watching, I hope you love this conversation with Albert's different conversation. And we're talking about a lot of amazing things here. So Make sure you check out the Data Binge podcast. You can find it in any place you love to stream, including Spotify. So we'll go ahead and put this episode uh, and make it available for everyone. But thank you for joining. Thank you, Albert. Appreciate you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today and having some fun with us on the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow me on LinkedIn or at DRUSS Network, D-R-U-S-S Network on Twitter or Instagram. And you can also reach out to me anytime via email at Derek at thedatabinge.com. The Data Binge podcast is a personal thought form where we share knowledge and ideas. Views and opinions expressed here do not reflect those of my employer, Microsoft. I really hope you enjoyed. Thanks a lot.